Hey guys, this is Hannah Kavna here. Now, before we get started on this particular episode of T for Three, I want to clarify that a lot has happened since the recording of this particular episode, from um, Joe Biden announcing his 2020 run for president to the release of the official date of the Democratic primary debates. So, topics that um, took place after the recording of this episode may not be touched upon. However, I still feel that the conversations we have in this episode are super relevant and super insightful and i still want to share them with you guys so with that in mind um let's get started and i hope you enjoy Hello, everyone. This is Hannah Kavanagh speaking, and welcome to yet another episode of Tea for Three. I'm here with two awesome friends of mine. The first guest I'd like to welcome onto the show is um, a fellow Lag alum and also my next door neighbor at Brookdale. Please welcome Isabel Jen. Hi, Isabel. What's up? Hi. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. All right. And our second guest is a a sophomore she's the bee's knees rep rep she's repping sty today please welcome <laughs> am i yeah emma, emma Colley and Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> we're just our high school yeah. we're, <laughs> we're still in high school yeah. apparently um we out here today please welcome dora galarenter hey what's up hey how how you doing i'm doing all right you're doing all right it's better than not doing it's better yeah. Indeed. All right. You made, it down, you made it down here today. All right. So the tea that we're going to be trying today is drum roll. Thank you very much. I'm gonna grab the clock. Thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so the tea that we're going to be trying today is T2 Sticky Date Delight. Let's read the description on this bad boy. So the traditional sticky toffee pudding in your hot little hands. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something. <laughs> Hot little hands. Something more than it means. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, too. Being so naughty. Oh my god. The indulgently rich tastes of caramel, silky smooth toffee sauce, and steaming sticky date make for a <laughs> make for a jewel worthy brew that's simply sublime, and even tells you how to brew it because it's a it's loose tea, which I forgot to mention before. It's actually loose tea. Um. First loose tea appearance on tea for three, so it's um it's a bad boy. So it pretty much says, you know, one one teaspoon per cup, you know, it needs to be brewed at two twelve Fahrenheit, which is boiling temperature, that makes sense. And we steeped it for three to five minutes. So let's see let's taste this bad boy. Let's see how we like it. Amazing. So ready to try this? Yep. Awesome. Okay. It smells exactly like toffee. Mm-hmm. Great. How are you guys feeling about this? What what notes are you tasting right now? Caramel. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not as strong as I had expected, like as yeah. strong a flavor. Yeah. yeah. It's a little more subdued. I kind of like it though. I feel like it, it would be weird if it tasted exactly like caramel or toffee. It would yeah. kind of freak me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, I'm a I'm a fan. It's kind of there's a thickness to it though. Mm-hmm. Do you feel mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's definitely yeah. a, there's a, I feel like, yeah, and I, I, if someone, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that toffee's mixed in here, especially because of the thickness of it. Um, so, is this your first time trying a T2 product? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I, maybe. Same here. Yeah, I think so. All right, so, how are you guys feeling about this tea? Like, what would we tell T2 today? Good job, buddy. Hey. <laughs> 
keep yeah keep doing what you're doing and with those hot hands or whatever yeah (laughs) warm hands hot little hands yeah all right so now that we sipped the tea we're going to be spilling the deets on politics today but more specifically on the 2020 democratic presidential primaries rather so we're kind of today we're going to talk about the spectrum of candidates that are out there right now from the democratic party um how we feel about them how our views have evolved based on what's been going down as of late um etc so i guess the first question that i have um let's maybe because a lot has happened in the past couple of months maybe let's flash back to maybe january or february at that particular time with a handful of candidates that were that announced their their um campaign run at the time how where were your views aligned initially um, I think my my views kind of like carried over from 2016. Like okay. I was kind of yeah Bernie yes. supporter. Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> I I was very very gung ho about Bernie in 2016. I remember like being devastated when he was losing mm-hmm. uh, states. Um, like I remember I was on uh college tours with my dad, and I was we were watching it in like a hotel room, and I was like crying. Because Bernie, like, lost, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that, that kind of, yeah, that carried over. Um, And, um, I mean, he's still the front runner, and I still have a lot of faith in him. Okay, Um, cool. Yeah, but I guess, like, now that there's been more candidates, I've had a a bit more ambivalence because, in a good way, because I want to, you know, learn more about the other candidates and give them a chance fair yeah all right cool yeah i also want to learn more about the candidates Mm -hmm. um don't have any particular alignment either way but um yeah still trying to figure it all out yeah i feel like it's really difficult because god i'm probably going to get the number wrong here there's probably about around 20 like democratic candidates right now mm-hmm. and there's pro- hopefully and who knows if there'll be more by the time this episode airs but for right now mm-hmm. <laughs> it's tw- it's about 20 um but i guess for me initially i'm kind of on the same boat with you isabel i was a diehard i was a diehard bernie fan in 2016 um and i still support a lot of his values now if not all of them um but I think what really swayed me was there was a there was news that I heard a couple of days ago that Bernie accused Democrats of trying to bring down his campaign like they did in 2016. Um, and first of all, with a declaration like that, it can be a little that can be a dangerous declaration, especially because our primary focus, at least the Democratic part, the Democratic Party has specifically has pretty much specifically said that their primary focus is to defeat trump in Mm -hmm. this upcoming election um and i feel like if bernie were to make comments like that it could in a way it could um and it could imply that there's a schism within the party that there is not that it's not as organized as it should be and in a way it could act as a weak link so that's Mm -hmm. why i don't i think ever since he made that comment i've went off of him i've went a little off on him a wee bit um, and I'm actually, I'm more, at this point, I seem more open to Pete Buttigieg, but how are you feeling about him so far? Because I think he initially, he officially announced his campaign run um, yesterday. So today's date, is it the 6th? 15th. 15th. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So yesterday, the 14th, 
was when he announced yeah his i running. still have to i want to watch the um his announcement me video. too yeah um mm-hmm. yeah i haven't really watched any of the announcement videos and i've been same meaning to. i really <laughs> want to it's hard there's so much going on it's yeah. crazy yeah. um but yeah like pete Buttigieg, i think is really surprising everybody yeah because i was looking on this there's this website that um lists out like the percentages of like likelihood that a certain candidate will win the primary uh and then like the election and like Pete Buttigieg I think is third in the primary behind Bernie and Kamala Harris oh Kamala Harris is ahead of him yeah she's second place Mm. oh I'm shocked but she's she's gone down a bit like it also measures like with a graph like how people's opinions have changed and like you see how I like Biden. I think is fourth, and you saw how like the sexual assault cases yeah. it, sunk, mm-hmm. it like dropped down a lot. Um, yeah, it's a really fascinating website. But I was just very impressed that he, you know, he's catching on with a lot of people. I love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's it's funny because I don't know if you guys have heard this, but I find it interesting that that Kamala Harris is second because. Yeah. I find so many people saying that they're fans of Bernie. A lot of people are saying that they're fans of Pete Buttigieg, um, at least from the, friend, the group of friends that I have, or at least the, the company that I keep. But I've never heard anyone be like, oh, I'm all for Kamala Harris yeah. at all. Mm. I think maybe, I mean, maybe like in other parts of the country, yeah, well, that maybe, yeah. like, well, she's from California. Maybe she has a oh, big that's stronghold in California. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. great point. You know, well, Bernie's from Northeast, but I don't, I mean, I I remember reading in a New York Times article um, about, like, re- like, there's, like, a, you know, this group that, you know, they went for, I think it was in, it's in the Midwest, they went for Obama in 2008 and then Trump in 2016, mm-hmm. um, and this New York Times reporter was interviewing them, mm-hmm. and, um... He was saying that he like supported like Kamala Harris, like he thinks she would be a good uh, president. So okay. yeah, but how do you feel about about like Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris, or do you not have like just from what you've seen thus far? How are you yeah. feeling? Yeah, I like Buttigieg so far. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on the thing about sanders claiming that the democratic party is out to get him yeah i don't think that's yeah i don't think that's like a very productive um move especially when if if the democratic party is supposed to be aligned in this common goal then he could possibly like some votes could be against him when they should have been for him like our goal is to have one candidate yeah um, that's true to, it to just win, yeah so, it yeah. just shows our it just shows our weakness by like saying oh like we're we're against each other and like we want to put on a unified front like right. it's going to be very hard to defeat an incumbent even as bad as trump is it's still going to be hard and i mean that's that's the depressing part about it because yeah. trump still has a a much greater chance than any other candidate of winning uh, yeah in 2020 so it's just the the squabbling about these people are out to get me is like it's playing into like trump's rhetoric of like and oh it's a it, you know about the Mueller report he's saying oh it's a witch hunt this is like fake and it's just 
you got to stick to like your policies and like stick to what's important and what matters because that's going to make the difference uh, for the election. Mm-hmm. It's just for me, it's like, why make the same mistake twice? Like he already said this in 2016, right? And I think, I don't know, I feel like that caused a lot of a lot of conflict within the Democratic Party, especially around the Democratic National Convention when yeah. Hillary became the official candidate, which I felt, I don't know, I was definitely a lot more into Bernie than I was Hillary at the time. But I don't know, I just, but as a result of that, like in a way that kind of weakened the party overall. And that's kind of how Trump, that's part of the reason why Trump got elected. So why declare the same thing again? I mm-hmm. just, it kind of baffles me. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I can't really come up with a, an explanation for that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, but... I guess in, there's one candidate I keep forgetting about. Good old Cory Booker. Mm-hmm. How are we feeling about him? If we're feeling anything. Hmm. I. I mean, I I watched his documentary mm-hmm. um, called Street Fight, which was about his first mayoral run, and that I found was very inspiring, okay. and I, I it gave me a lot of respect for him because he crafted his campaign around, um, you know, like, being, you know, kind and understanding and not going down to his opponent's level. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, like, what his... I don't know how clear he's been with his policies as of yet. Yeah, I know the... The concept of baby bonds oh, is a okay. huge thing. Um, but I think he wanted to, it's kind of, it's not like basic, it's not like universal basic income, but it's meant to help like families in need, this concept of baby bonds. And I think it would be, I think he'd give them to young adults. It'd be like four grand or something mm-hmm. or I, either that or like he'd give it to people like people when they were children to fund like their education in the future you give them like a few grand or something um i think that's what baby bonds are but that's like the main thing that i i mean other than that he's kind of faded into the background but i oddly enough there's a lot of controversy surrounding him um well for one yeah. thing he support he's a supporter of wall street um during his mayoral mm-hmm. th- during his term as mayor he he was all for um like the war on crime and whatever which mm. in and of itself Ooh. is there's so much there's so many racial implications behind that. I'm just wondering how someone could be so oblivious he's to a, that. He's a black man. I know too. that's what's sho- that's what's shocking to me. Um, I, yeah, I heard. I don't know. I I heard some people today talking about. I, I wish I had like actually like listened to what they were saying. Like they there was just some things they were saying that they didn't like about Cory Booker. Um, and they were, or they were like, I liked him, but there was, you know, one thing that he did or something or other, but right. I don't know. Like, also, I think he supported, I think he supported PAC money in the past, which is like, which it's funny because there was a time in which a lot of candidates would do that. That was just the norm. But now it seems mm-hmm. like grass, grassroots right now is the wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's bad that he supported PACs. Like Aww. that's what Hillary used. And mm-hmm. that was, yeah, that was like yeah. t- two years ago. But um, she also didn't win. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. But uh, did, yeah. did Trump also 
Uh, oh, I spilled some tea on myself. Did Trump also accept PAC money? Yeah, right? Probably, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. This is very more like a Democrat thing. Yeah. And it's also important to like keep in mind that it's a lot easier now to raise money like through online sites because mm-hmm. it's like they have a website. People go to the website and it's like, oh, donate now. And they're like, okay, I'll click this button. Or there's people, the, you know, the, the, uh, the candidates are like emailing um and saying oh like would you donate to us and it's just yeah it's just very easy like all you do is put in your credit card but like you know back in the day they didn't have that and so it makes sense now that more people are relying on the grassroots um to raise money but yeah it wasn't always this easy Mm -hmm. i guess yeah i heard that buddha judge raised a million um, in grassroots donations within a few hours of announcing mm-hmm. his candidacy. Nice. Which is pretty impressive. That's so. pretty awesome, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, I feel like the whole grassroots wave, it, I could be wrong, but it seems to me just another example of a lot of people jumping on the Bernie yeah, bandwagon. Yeah. And it seems like it it's such a common thing this particular election. Like it, see, it seems like everyone's in support of Medicare for all, which is something that mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders was initially in support of. Um, just things like that. But I think... I don't know. I'm torn because I support a lot. I support almost all of the policies inherently, but in the same time, it makes people indistinguishable. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you're jumping on it now because it's popular, like I want a candidate I can trust that's been riding that wave the whole time. Um, Like we were saying before, like we don't want to divide the democratic party too much so that no one candidate can win. But on the other hand, we want people to distinguish themselves as candidates true and then everyone has to get behind some one person so that's like very hard to balance i feel like yeah and i guess for me it leads to it leads to the idea of trust it's i'm you know because then i look at a candidate and i think to myself are you just are you saying this to just get people to vote for you or did you actually change your mind on this and um i think to bring up hillary again good old hillary um bless her heart i know um (laughs) She's a prime example of that, I feel like, in terms of, I think the, like, for example, her views on homosexuality were different in, I think, 05 than they were, like, when she was running in 2016. I mean, it's a solid 11 years, and people can change in 11 years, but, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. And even with Kirsten Gillibrand, like, you know, when she was first involved in politics, she was very much about restricting immigration, Mm-hmm. and about those particular policies and deportation she was all about that and now she's not um but it's hard to distinguish do you find that that's an issue for you guys too in yeah, terms definitely. of yeah. um but are there can you think of like any examples of that within i guess it's it's still early right um but can you think of any examples within this particular campaign or rather within this particular of set of like primary candidates can you think of anyone that maybe that you don't really trust fully because of change of policy or because of anything of that sort i know it's tough because it's still early but yeah and i guess i'm i'm still like ambivalent around like whether i think that um i i can trust people if Mm -hmm. they you know had a different policy before um, I know that, like, I was listening to Pod Team America. Yay! And <laughs> I love that show. That's, that's, I love it too. <laughs> um, but they were, I think, 
they were talking about like Kamala Harris, for example, and she was um, like she was a former prosecutor, and there was some things that she did, like she would about like truancy mm-hmm. um, that were controversial, and I think someone asked like do you would you overlook that and i and the the woman said well uh i think i would like judge it more on what they do now than what's in the past fair yeah so i don't know i i still don't know if i support that view or i you know want to look at the whole picture i mean have to say yeah of course it's like better if you're consistent with your views i mm-hmm. think like like Bernie, for example, yes. he's always been consistent with his views. That's something I really, really appreciate about him and respect him for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I mean, I guess there's, you know, journalists and reporters that'll interview them and see, you know, if if they are indeed, you know, like convert, they converted to the other side or not. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy how it's crazy how we can really keep track of that stuff mm-hmm. and how people really need to be careful. I mean, especially if you're in a field such as this, like you really need to be careful of what you say because, you know, you could say something 15 years ago and then you could say the exact opposite now and, so, and, or, and so, someone could do their research and mm-hmm. be like, wait, hold on. You said the exact opposite 15 years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, I find that nuts, but... Um, yeah, I think today, like the paper trail is is longer than it's ever been um because you can just google anything and find google someone's name and find all these deep dark secrets of their yeah it's kind of scary because i feel like people often go in i feel like people have no are forced to go into it with with their tail tucked between their legs because of the fear that something else may come up some controversy may come up um that sort of thing um but i guess to steer it over a little bit. Wait, can I say one more thing about this topic? No, no, of course. No, no, no. <laughs> no, keep it going. Um, keep it going. I'm I was just going to say that, like, I guess that's one thing we can learn from Trump, though. Like, yes. he mm-hmm. doesn't care. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, I said, like, this locker room talk. That's, you know, that's fine. That's That's just me. And, you know, keeping it real in a very horrible way, but yeah. keeping it real <laughs> nonetheless. Yeah. And I think maybe Democrats could learn from that a little more and not right. have their tail tucked between their legs all the mm-hmm. time. That's because an- if Trump can do it, then anyone can do it. That's such an that's right. such a great point. Yeah, okay, right. just own yes. up to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but mm, at the same time, though, his absurdity kind of I don't know. It doesn't excuse him, but like people no. expect him to just be totally absurd. Yeah. Whereas if you're trying true. to put on this front of like, I guess just being like correct in all of your actions, then it might be a little bit more difficult. But yeah, just owning up to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that was yeah. that was Hillary's problem. She was always she was seen as very wooden. So but if she were yeah. loose and fluid and it's and true. direct, like would people perceive her the same way? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's. I mean, I guess that also, yeah, because she was a woman, so that adds an extra, you know, wrench into it. For sure. Um, I mean, we'll never really know. I know. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess Rip. we'll see now because uh, there are a lot of female candidates. So that's we'll see, true. We'll that's see true. how they're treated compared to their male counterparts. That's a good point. Um, yeah. 
But I, it's it's interesting how just to continue with this trend. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. By the way, that's such a great point. Um, but. I, I guess to further add on to that, I mean, there were so many people that were more qualified, like Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, um, Jeb Bush. I mean, he's a Bush for Christ's sakes. Like, he should have had it in the bag, you know? Mm-hmm. But I- <laughs> come on, um, in terms of Republican primaries at the time. But um, yeah, I, I think you're, you definitely bring up a good point. Like the sense of not giving a crap and just telling it how it is, is what, that's what drew people. It's like, oh, he's different. Um, yeah. But I'm wondering if if Democrats can pull that off now, now that Trump has already done it. Can they, mm-hmm. will it be received the same way? Because um, uh, here's the thing. Like, I, I think I remember I was doing, I was kind of doing some research on this last week. I don't know, like at the time, like in, tw- in 2016, Trump was like, oh, make America great again. And Democrats were like, oh, America's already great. So I don't know. I guess with the sense of directness that Trump already did, as well as like, oh, making America great again, what can Democrats do to combat that? Can they also be direct? Can they be like, oh, let's make America even better than Trump is making America right now? Like, what can they, I don't know, they're kind of stuck in a bind right now. I mean, does it seem that way to you guys? Or I, yeah, well, I think, yeah, their main issue is that they need to have like a slogan like make America great again. Because yeah. I think... We can't have, like, you know, like, I mean, it sums up Trump's policy very well. And that's what you think of when you think of him. Yeah, and we it's can't, crazy. It's not like, you know, and I feel like Democrats, sometimes they like, you know, write like they'd rather do like a 50 page paper on their policies. And it's we need something that yeah. will grab people, um, especially now in like our Internet world and just yeah. like attention spans being what they are now yeah. Um, yeah. it's unfortunate it's like, what, but it's 15 true seconds, I think, now. <laughs> so we need yeah we need a catchy slogan so whoever they should have a contest yeah. get, or something get the pr people contest get these pr people on board mm-hmm. yeah yeah no you're right yeah and i think also i guess going back to the the point about like being as brash as Trump, like, I think, like, a, a happy medium of, you know, not not being too wooden and having your tail tucked between your legs, but also yeah. not being as absurd as Trump, because you want to be respected, and you want, you want to have there to be some contrast between yeah. you and Trump. So just being freaking yeah. normal. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I get it. Don't put yeah. on the show. Yeah. That's true. Um, yeah. But it's funny how you brought up the, sorry, were you gonna say anything, Dora? I don't want to interrupt. I've, I've or got anything. like three things that I wanted wanted to say. But no, feel I don't free know to, whether to say them. No, it's all good. All at the same time. No, I feel free. Just, <laughs> no, you can. Like, feel fine. free to interrupt me. Like, it's just it's word, totally fine. Word vomit into this mic. No, totally. Um, Go right ahead. Yeah, just the make America great again thing is just like based on this. I don't know. I'm sure that, like this is my personal thing, but just mm-hmm. based on this false sense of nostalgia that is built upon a lot of. Uh, inequality and uh, things that aren't going to come back like outsourced jobs because labor just simply isn't cheap here coal mining yeah um (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean i was reading this this article in literary criticism of all things so not very related but um it was talking about how a lot of americans see the past as this idealized um like golden age 
that never actually existed. And this article was looking at um, Toni Morrison's Bluest Eye, The Bluest Eye. Oh, okay. Yeah, and thinking about, like, the black female experience um, as being excluded from that nostalgic past. Like, when we think of this innocence of the past and Mm -hmm. this this golden age, like, who are we excluding? Um, True. ties in but not really to what uh, the other thing that i was going to say no it's all good no worries um about when you asked about the um like ideology changes in the candidates Mm -hmm. i remember last time i was reading that tulsi gabbard um once uh Mm -hmm. supported her father's anti-gay group which um yeah which advocated for like conversion therapy um wow but since has changed her mind in 2013, she signed some brief um, on marriage equality. So, I mean, I think on certain issues, I definitely can believe that people have changed their mind. I think just from um, the early 2000s to now, there's been yeah. a lot of change and acceptance of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, Good point. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't excuse that as like trendy. I think a lot of people have become more accepting since then just good yeah. yeah that was um I, it's interesting because like a lot of it a lot of this sense of like the whole maga phenomenon in a way it, it ties into the whole like anti-intellectualism mm. that's so prominent in america today at least at least through the way i'm seeing things um mm-hmm. maybe not particularly amongst us because you know we're college students we're you know we're, we're trying to we're trying to look you know yeah. gain some knowledge here yeah. um but just mm-hmm. in general in terms of the general american culture um it's definitely prominent um and you know for instance like like you said before like no one wants to read a 50 page paper on policy they just yeah. want a quick slogan and it's um mm-hmm. i remember i was talking to it's slightly off topic but i'll bring it back i promise um <laughs> i was in um, a women and gender studies course last semester and i was reading this book on gendered migration and it was it was about it was 200 pages which is not bad at all that's not a long book in the slightest but the thing is it was very redundant Mm -hmm. and i read the book and i thought this could be summed up in five pages because it repeats (laughs) the same thing over and over again Mm -hmm. and the scholarly jargon and then you have to yeah and it's one of those things i talked to the professor and i said well don't you want to get knowledge out there to the lowest common denominator possible yeah and then she said well i shouldn't have to dumb myself down to Mm -hmm. appeal to a general i don't know and i guess that sentence of elitism because in a way it is part part of that it can be elitist right um i guess that sense of elitism is what got people angry and they're like screw it let's just vote for trump you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. i think they were they were tired of that sense of intellectualism that maybe they didn't empathize with or didn't understand i i just i understand the you know, wanting to push back against elitism, just the mm-hmm. idea of anti-intellectualism is scary to me. Yeah, just because same of all the true. Yeah. history of like executing scholars throughout history at yeah. various points and mm-hmm. burning books and that like we just lost the Notre Dame, like just yeah. losing and the the um the museum in Brazil, just yeah, losing like going so far as to persecute people who are preserving the culture. That's what's like most scary to me. Not that that is going to happen mm-hmm. necessarily, but just the idea that that could be a possible outcome. Is, yeah, uh, it's crazy. Like, how do it's such a, the divide is so bad? Is it even possible to mend at this point? Like, 
what can be done? That's what I wonder, you know? Hmm. I think that um, a lot of the power rests on the Democratic Party now and, like, what candidate will come forward. And I think whatever candidate wins the primary, I think it's their job to try to mend the United States because I think that's yeah. something that every everyone in the U.S. um wants and i think that would be a great sticking point against trump because trump so blatantly wants to divide us um so i mean yeah i guess i would want to see how that unfolds but that's like one step just need to listen to each other more and stop getting stuck in our own echo chambers fair Um, Mm I don't know. Facebook's algorithm, get on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are you, Zuckerberg? Um, right. We should all, like, yeah. try to... I don't know. who. I think one of my professors was mm-hmm. saying this. We should all try to um, incorporate more opposing views into our daily, like, stream of information. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Just so we don't, like, get confirmation bias the whole time. True. Yeah, as much as we, as much as we may detest Fox News, but I think it's yeah. still important <laughs> to be cognizant of it. Um, just like Republicans should be cognizant of like CNN, NBC, etc. Um, mm-hmm. It's an important part of being a a conscious news consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, living in the United States. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess for me, it's also like knowing when to pick your battles, right? Because you can't, I mean, for me, like I'm all about making people feel comfortable and I don't want to spark any kind of debate that, I mean, I guess it's important to spark debate that makes people feel uncomfortable, but if you know inherently that they're not going to change their views or you're kind of beating a dead horse, um, I don't know, you got to just pick your battles. Um, Like for example, (laughs) this guy said that he hopes um schumer and pelosi die in a plane crash which is awful that's an awful thing to wish on a person yeah (laughs) which is no that was terrible that was so bad and i would never say that about anybody but i like it got to the point it was so vulgar i'm like that can't fight this i just gotta i'm not gonna entertain the notion like (laughs) it's yeah so bad i think you know there was a death threat against ilhan omar yeah um, i heard about that yeah mm. and trump just painting her as this horrible un-american like monster is really fueling the republican fire and it's really dangerous and like they just the way that a lot of like the conservative news media like takes things out of context and twists it around like uh she was talking about um 9-11 and she was just talking about like her experience and as a muslim um after 9-11 and just being looked upon as like this terrorist this criminal this person that doesn't that shouldn't be in america that isn't american and then she said that like some some people did something in reference to it's wasn't all muslims who are responsible for 9-11 and then you know the conservative news media took it completely out of context and basically said oh she's trying to you know not take she doesn't take 9-11 seriously and she's just 
trying oh, to God. make it seem like it's not important and that's not what she was doing at all mm-hmm. and it's really dangerous because that fuels the kind of people who you know want to attack her or any other democrats who seem yeah. to you know like hold viewpoints that i don't know that don't seem to make sense or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. Fair. yeah and just like the trump administration's use of the word the phrase radical islamic terrorism yeah again is just angers me because like just the idea that i mean obviously like these people who are terrorists are not associated with islam like as a general peaceful religion like yeah they're totally like separate and like i don't know like like do christians associate themselves with the kkk it's like yeah how could people possibly and it's interesting it's interesting because i'm i'm in an abrahamic religions course right now and i'm currently reading the quran i mean allah Mm -hmm. is god it's the same god as Mm -hmm. the christian god and the jewish god it's all the same god Mm -hmm. And I think people tend to forget that. And if you look closely at the scripture, they describe the God as the Lord of mercy, like, you know, peaceful. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not trying to, like, put everyone into eternal damnation for Christ's sakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. There's just so many common misconceptions um, yeah, that we, are very, very yeah. toxic. We've really, like, yeah. steered away from that. Like, I remember, like, in um, the Moors in Spain, they were Muslim, but they um, respected Christians and Jews yeah um, equally and let them live there peacefully because they were all people of the book yeah and they all had the same god and i think you know somewhere along the way like we just lost sight of that and yeah. see and now we just see people of different religions as alien and yeah that's mm-hmm. really dangerous because mm-hmm. religion shouldn't be something that divides us so violently like it shouldn't be that a guy goes into a mosque while people are praying and just shoots and kills 50 people like it's not it's yeah it's so bad um especially yeah like in a in a holy place um that's yeah that's evil yeah. right there um yeah. yeah um but it's i think part of it as well is um the republicans are trying to get um support from the israeli government and I think part of that's what I heard. And I heard that part of that's part of the reason why they're condemning. Um, what's her name again? I'm so sorry. What's her name? Il- Ilhan Omar. That's part of why they're condemning um, Ilhan Omar. And also like her her she made comments earlier, um, like I think sometime in March that yeah, yeah. Republicans deemed to be anti-Semitic. And they were oh, I, fe- I can't help but feel that their huge reason why they deemed it as anti-Semitic is to get support from the Israeli government. And be like, hey, like we got you. Like it's all good. It's also because she's mm. Muslim. Like Yeah, true. And that, that's that's Trump, another part too. Trump has said so many anti-Semitic things to Jews' faces. Like that's true. He was at uh the Jewish Republican Convention or whatnot and i don't know he was saying he was saying things about oh like we're gonna work so well with israel and and netanyahu your prime minister and it's like no Mm -hmm. we're they're americans Mm -hmm. they don't Mm -hmm. they're not israelis and that's just completely anti-semitic um and he he's made other remarks like that as well um it's, and it's just shocking that no one seems to call him out for it, but no. But yet mm. they're able to twist Ilhan Omar's words around and 
yeah, it's just it's just so gross. And I guess and also I was gonna bring this up, but I read an article about um similarly yeah, about the topic of religion in politics like Pete Buttigieg is a, a evangelical he's like a devout Christian mm-hmm. and he was saying he was commenting on like Pence and he was saying that that's not the way that Christianity is meant to be it's not supposed to be this you know this doctrine of hatred and like he believed no. that yeah. he believed that Jesus um it would be a Democrat, would be a progressive because he was all about social reform and healing and, you know, not like painting other people as aliens and terrorists and evil. Um, yeah, so it was, just, it was just interesting, like how, you know, religion has become weaponized when it mm-hmm. should. It's, it's really all about love and compassion. True. Forgiveness as well. Yeah. 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 Forgiveness. Um, let me silence my phone. So the thing is, um, I can't for I think for the longest time though, religion has played a huge role in politics yeah. and yeah. in terms of yeah. I don't know, like for example, when JFK was the first Catholic president, people were pissed. Mm-hmm. They were I mean, my family was proud because they're because they're Catholic, but most people <laughs> were pissed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and most people have been I think almost all the presidents but JFK have been Protestant, I believe. Yeah, so, I think so. I don't know. I, feel, I can't help but feel Although that religion. they said Obama's a Muslim. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so Damn, racist. it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> we need to do better. We got to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but yeah. But uh, I was going to introduce a possible... I'm playing devil's advocate here. But let's say... Hi, let. Would you say that maybe a centrist or a moderate could be a more suitable candidate to beat Trump compared to someone that's on the far, far left in the sense that they meet, they may be able to mend both like, you know, the conflict between conservatives and liberals because they are centrist or not really? Like, could an Amy Klobuchar mend the nation? <laughs> I mean, you know my views about Amy Klobuchar. Yeah. But I mean, my pol- my political views are more progressive and mm-hmm. just some of her policies just don't ring true for me. Um like with the tuition, like she against free college tuition, which yeah, like I don't it's it's hard because they do sometimes like the more progressive policies feel like pie in the sky policies. Like, where are we going to get the money from? True. But I think to, you know, to just dismiss it outright without really trying to come up with ways to fund it is just, you know, and just call it a non-starter is not the right way to go about it. Um, and then also just her her ways of the the stuff she had that like dealing with her staff and like, the way she treated them. Yeah, not cool. Um, yeah, it's just, mm-hmm. it's not cool, and it's not gonna, you know, win her supporters, you know, if she acts that way. Like, you have to treat people with respect. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. it's my views, but... Yeah, yeah, I think maybe a centrist could could mend the nation, but maybe not the centrist that is Klobuchar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why Biden was is so oh, popular. He's still that's pretty true. popular, even though in the wake of all the sexual I, assault. Yeah. He, yeah. I just, mm-hmm. just, what are your thoughts on that? I'm just curious. If you feel comfortable sharing, if you don't, it's all good. It's, yeah, it's really hard because, like, on one hand, it's like, 
who are we up against? Trump, who's in the highest office in, in yeah. the world, basically. But then on the other hand, the stuff that he did, it's not at that level, but it's still something that made women feel uncomfortable. And we have to respect that and understand that times are changing. And yeah. it's not appropriate to kiss someone or touch them without their permission. Um, and you're putting women in very uncomfortable places because you're Biden. He's a man of great power. Yeah. And just what they and it's hard for them to speak out if he does something like that because mm-hmm. they're they're women and they're they they weren't the vice president of the United States or a senator or, or whatnot. Um, yeah. So I guess he should be respectful of and cognizant of that power dynamic that was at play. And I don't think he's done enough to apologize. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I so I teach um, um, sex ed to ninth graders. Oh, I did not know, <laughs> I that. Didn't know that either. With Pure Health Exchange. The more you know, okay. Yeah. And the way that we define sexual assault is basically any unwanted sexual, or any unwanted, like, basically sexual contact or just, like, contact that could be sexual. Just, like, anything that the that the person receiving the action does not want. I think that like erring on the side of safety is never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I mean, there are genuine people in this fight for, you know, transparency about sexual assault yeah. who are being truthful. And then there are people um, like Smollett who are fabricating things. Oh so my God. To kind of just like ruin it for the rest of us. Exactly. So yeah. I don't think people are going to be absurd and like, it's like you shook my hand, that's sexual. Like, I don't think that, yeah. I don't think there there are that many people in this world who are so Thank kind of... God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> who will like take this to ridiculous extremes. Yeah. But there are a handful of people who are just looking for fame or for publicity who will ruin it for the rest of us and that's not mm-hmm. fair yeah no good point um no yeah i think that he should acknowledge that this is a different time um yeah. and i don't know like there's at the time there's a time where that was acceptable there's a time mm-hmm. where you could kiss women on the forehead that weren't like your coworkers or whatever and it'd be mm-hmm. like totally fine mm-hmm. um whereas now it's a little bit it's a it is a gray area and it's a little weird and you want people to feel comfortable um, I heard that he just he just said, oh, I'm just going to be more considerate when it comes to women and, and touching the shoulders. <laughs> uh, this is just <laughs> this not not exactly. I just something to that effect. Like he's going to be more mindful or something. That's all he said. But he was never like, oh, I'm sorry. So um, is there anything? Is there anyone else we're missing? I feel like there's Andrew Yang. I don't I don't know who he is. I don't know. any. Yeah. Where's I- the Yang gang at? No. <laughs> well, there's that. Um, Andrew Yang. Um, else, there's Inslee. There's Hickenlooper. Oh, that's right. Inslee. Those I always get confused. But I think Inslee is He's washing. The, is he the governor? Is he the climate change guy? Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, that's, okay. That's kind of what we, we talked about. Yeah. About like the the single issue candidates and how we feel about that. I mean, I think part of the debate that we were talking about regarding that was like, is it worth it to have a candidate who's a single issue candidate and Uh, will enough people actually vote for them? Fair. Like, I mean, I was, I mentioned like the Green Party and how Mm -hmm. that's right. They'll put forth a candidate just to get that 
it, the climate change issue incorporated into another candidate's um, platform. So, I mean, mm-hmm. is it worth it to get climate change recognized and like higher up in this debate of what's important to put on platforms mm-hmm. or is it not worth it because you'd be taking votes away from someone who might have a better chance of winning it with a with a greater percentage huh um yeah i just i guess i don't know his like intentions like Mm -hmm. i think if his intentions are to put the issue on the table like that makes a lot of sense to me and i commend him for that um i mean it's a lot of work the way he's doing it to run a whole campaign yeah but um if he is you know bent on running for president i don't know how effective that strategy is to be a single issue candidate because there's so many issues that are facing the united states right now Mm -hmm. and we need we need a candidate with sound policies in different areas fair Mm -hmm. um at the same time though it is it it's still kind of cool that he's bringing climate change into like a bigger framework or, you know, he's kind of drawing more attention to it, even though it's receiving a lot of attention already. It's good. The more the merrier, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one could argue that, you know, in a way, social inequality and immigration are tied into climate change because, you know, if climate change keeps perpetuating itself and it keeps on doing what it's doing, it's going to lead to mass migration. It's going to lead to social inequality and the widening um, of the gap between the rich and the poor. So I guess one could argue that maybe climate change is an issue that's of that, that the main issue that needs to be focused on or, or not. But I've just, I don't know, just putting different ideas out there. I'm just, I'm, I'm improv in here, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think climate change has received a lot of the wrong kind of attention recently in the media with yeah. denialism by Trump and just yeah. Unbelievable. the idea that climate change denialism entered the federal government, like with Bush, first of all, which we were talking about before, like pe- uh, candidates changing their views on things like mm-hmm. Bush before he came into office was like, climate change is bad, I'm, I'm gonna fix that. And then, um, and then he... Once in office, he um, was influenced by the interest groups, lobbyists, things like that, and changed his mind. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's dangerous, and the federal government should not be um, should not be denying climate change because they're setting an example and they're putting out these false ideas for the rest of the American public to follow. True. Um, But you make a good point about climate change impacts being the root cause of a lot of other issues i think that's definitely true yeah um mm-hmm. especially like small island nations are most yeah. vulnerable right now and for sure yeah. yeah i don't know isabel and i could talk about this for ages last semester do you want to drop some knowledge we could drop some what, what kind of knowledge do you want to drop i guess <laughs> <laughs> um that's a really good question i didn't think that far ahead but uh, (laughs) well i'm sure there's a lot of things from that class that feed into this particular conversation yeah um in relation to Inslee's policies or right like it Mm. i don't know i don't know what Inslee's policies are specifically yeah um did you outside of interest groups and lobbyists did you is there anything else you learned pertaining to the shift from um supporting um policies to restrict climate change and then like switching to the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of the republican party like is there do you is there other reasons that you learned as to why that is in that class or did you cover that too much or no 
We did. Okay. I'm to think back. Yeah. That's all good. Um, yeah, well, I think that there was a lot of, like, tricks going on and, like, with AstroTurf organizations and the fact that the, the, um, the oil industry is behind a lot of the... Right. Of the um, supposed, yeah. like... You know, like a lot of the the names of these kinds of astroturf organizations don't actually match what they're doing, mm-hmm. and a lot of people aren't aware of that. They think, you know, I don't know, like X Y Z name. Oh, sounds good, but like in fact, this is a an organization that's funded by the by the oil corporations, hmm. um, and that's like totally. I mean, we've got like all this clean coal rhetoric. Um, yeah it's ridiculous (laughs) it's an oxymoron it is an oxymoron um it's yeah it's um it's funny because this kind of feeds into something that we talked about before um at least the last time we met up (laughs) um in a way we talked about like the generational gap and how that could play a huge role in in voting because it seems like a lot of a lot of the older people that want to implement change whether it be the whole clean coal thing, the whole like climate change denying wave, right? I mean, it could feed into that as well. But it seems like a lot of the policies that the the older candidates are advocating for are they won't really see the effects of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. how so it kind of feeds into that whole generational gap of oh, we need someone that's going to that we need a new face in the government we need someone that's going to re- truly represent us and and implement change that you know does not only impact us but also them as well so they can be held accountable but how do you feel about yeah. that debate do you feel like it do you agree with it or do you feel like older candidates do you feel like we shouldn't discount older candidates nearly as much i remember we were talking about last time like how there's a lack in general in american policies yeah where we don't um implement long-term investments and just think about the here and now Mm -hmm. and i mean for for older candidates they have the luxury of only seeing the effects of the immediate things yeah um but i mean at the same time i think that there are there are older candidates who can see the bigger picture and want the the world to be different for their children and grandchildren true um that was not specific it's all good (laughs) no the gap itself is interesting i mean because i I remember like we were saying uh pete Buttigieg is 37 and bernie sanders and is in his late 70s and 77 77 oh my god i mean it's 40 years yeah that's that's (laughs) That's nuts that's what pete Buttigieg is really like a main part of his campaign is saying like I he's at the tail end of the millennial generation. He's like, I grew up with you guys, the being the younger voters, and like, yeah, I'll be here for a while, so I'll have your best interests in mind. Versus, like mm-hmm. he was saying, I'll I don't I can't do the math, but <laughs> um, he said like it'll be many many years until I'll even be Trump's age now. Yeah. he's like 72 and you know by that time trump and his that whole generation will have passed away um so yeah i don't know where i was going with that it's but. all good <laughs> no it's a, it's a good point um i don't know i guess recently i've been i really have been gravitating towards Buttigieg. um and it's funny it's not because of the 
the age at all because age never really i feel like it didn't age matter is just a number yeah and yeah. also like it didn't no one took that into account till now i mean it's true i don't know i mean a lot of our presidents were 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 old i mean <laughs> <laughs> let's be real i mean a lot of them are really old and it's i i don't know so i think in terms of age doesn't play as much of a role for me it's more you know he's from the midwest which is i feel like that's something that's intriguing to people and also, especially since a lot of the Midwest consists of Trump supporters, um, the fact that he's openly gay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess all, all that sort of stuff. It's just an interesting mix. And I guess it's, it's a candidate, in my opinion, that we, it, we really haven't seen before. It seems like he's sticking out, as well as Bernie. Bernie's also sticking out. But um, mm-hmm. I guess with the way things are going right now and also taking into account the fact that Trump... Er- um, raised $30 million in this first quarter of campaigning. Um, where do you see things going thus far in terms of how the primaries are going down? How do you see this unfolding? I know it's still early, but from what we know thus far, what do you think? Yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, I hope that for sanity's sake that it you know that it funnels down a little more because i think that there's so many candidates now that people are just overwhelmed and you know don't know yeah who to support um but i mean i think it'll probably it'll probably end up being i don't know in my mind like someone more progressive most likely Bernie against someone more moderate mm-hmm. or liberal because I think that that's kind of been the divider um, for Democrats, um, I think, now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because, as we said earlier, a lot of the candidates have been just glomming on to Bernie's policies Yeah, that... I mean, they can't, it's really hard. It would be really hard for them to run against Bernie, Mm -hmm. like without it being like, oh, I mean, how are you, how are you debating me with my own policies? It's just ludicrous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's how I see it kind of unfolding, but. Right. Yeah. Um, I forgot, I forgot one candidate, Beto O'Rourke. How did we forget? Oh, yes. How did we forget our boy Beto? Um, God, he also just blends in for me too. <laughs> I was actually going to talk about him earlier when we were talking about, uh, tr- like Trump and like him being, you know, like not afraid to say whatever he wants. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's why Beto has appealed because I think kind of in a similar way like not not saying whatever he wants but like just being kind of putting himself out there as a man of the people like with his uh video like skateboarding in the parking lot um Mm -hmm. or like him you know being like in a band when he was younger um just making himself more multifaceted than just a politician Mm -hmm. i think I think that's a really um, good way and very effective way that he's been marketing himself. Um, Fair. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. 
That's um. That's funny. That reminds me of Bill Clinton. Oh, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, he played saxophone at the Arsenio Hall show. Did it, you it, see that? Clip? Yeah, yeah, glorious. It, it worked. Yeah, it worked for him. <laughs> see, it did. Yeah. Um, and that was admit in the midst of all the cheating scandals. Yikes. Um, you can play sax, though, I guess. Jesus Christ. <laughs> where, where do priorities lie? Um, yeah, I guess I agree with the I agree with you on the Beto thing. Um, and then there's one particular moment he was talking about, and this is kind of what made him famous, kind of, at least amongst millennials and today's youth, um, mm-hmm. is, well, through social media, um, the, the company that now this, just mm-hmm. post-liberal content, they posted... A video of Better O'Rourke talking about um, the whole Colin Kaepernick scandal, and oh, yeah. someone asked whether or not he felt that people should take a knee or not, um, and he said, and he said that people should take a knee, and that it, you know that's it's part of like our American right is to you know we can we can silently protest without causing you know violence or whatever, and how you know taking a knee is okay and. I mean, I'm not doing the speech justice at all. It was a wonderful speech, completely mm-hmm. improvised. And people really love the fact that he was so upfront and honest. And that's kind of what made him a popular candidate mm-hmm. or a, someone to watch out for. Mm-hmm. But I find it interesting that social media is really what pro- pro- what propelled him to that level. Um, and it also further amplifies the generational gap that's there. That, you know, there's a lot of people that are, there's a lot of older people that are running that, you know, their their lifers about their lifers about this, right? But then there's also like some younger people in the race that, you know, are getting are gaining fame through social media through this platform that's that's very much new. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I just find that so fascinating. But uh, I don't know about about you guys. Yeah, but. yeah. He's a. I mean, he is a truly like 21st century candidate. Like, there's no yeah. doubt about it. He's. Mm-hmm. It's very much about like you know social media and i mean not just with him but other people too like another 21st century politician i'd say is um alexandria ocasio-cortez Yay! Yeah, my yeah. queen yeah like <laughs> like she yes. like with her instagram and like taking yep. people behind the scenes of She's you know awesome. what it's like to be in in congress um and, and it, yeah, it is, it's refreshing to, you know, have these, like, fresh faces and um, to, I guess, it's a good way to be more, what's the word, like, just more open and more transparent mm-hmm. about the way the government operates. Fair. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. I have no more words. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Brought the house down, Isabel. <laughs> yes. Um, for the listeners at at for the listeners that are not too involved in politics, because I know a lot of people that don't catch up with politics, that don't listen to it because they claim it's too depressing or it's too. Um, it, there's so much going on at once. Trump, Trump, Trump. You know the deal. But I was wondering. For those for those listeners that may not be too much into politics, why is it so important to be this informed right now? Um, yeah, that's that's a loaded question, but it's <laughs> it's I guess it's because it's so important that like I you know I guess up until I when I started college, like I didn't really read the news, I didn't really know as much about what was going on, mm-hmm. I didn't know you know, different governmental policies and how the government really Mm -hmm. worked. And I'm still learning 
how the government works, but I have a much, like, greater grasp on it now. Yeah. And I just think it's, I mean, to me, it's fascinating, and that's part of the reason why I want to major in political science. Yeah. Um, but it's important to know who your representatives are because, like, especially, I mean, with the legislative branch as an example, like, they're the people who you write to their office if you're having problems with, like, a federal agency, like, paying back student loans. I mean, I guess Macaulay students don't have to worry about that. But (laughs) (laughs) But even for grad school or something, like, you need to know who your representatives are. And it really um, makes a difference um, having someone like a Democrat versus a Republican just because of their views are so different um and really understanding that is important and um same with like you know the judicial system Mm -hmm. they can possibly um as of now there's danger of them overturning roe Roe versus wade yeah um and that's and that's all for women that's you know that's our bodies that's our our rights and it shouldn't be up for grabs but it is because of the conservative majority so you know and that's why you know trump having trump in office too it trickles over to that because he Mm -hmm. elected or yeah he nominated um gorsuch and kavanaugh to the supreme court and so and he's influenced the judicial branch now for a generation because these two men are you know only in their they're middle-aged um So, yeah, to really, you know, if you are to vote and definitely vote, it's just very important to not just check off a name because it's the first on the ballot or you heard it on, I don't know, on TV or something. Like, um, to really know what policies are because they can impact you in a very personal and profound way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people are angry right now. And, um, you know, a lot of people are polarized and if you're, if you're angry, vote, do something about it. Yes. Um, and not only at a, at a presidential level, but also your local representatives because their policies probably will have a greater impact on your life as well. Mm -hmm. Um, probably even more than federal policies. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, no matter who you vote for, just make your voice heard because, anger i mean we can complain all we want but if we're not actually exercising our rights then then um do we still have the right to complain exactly (laughs) i was was gonna i was gonna say exactly that and also um i just whenever you know it's one of those things that i'm so grateful to have the right to vote because i mean think about it you know uh, black people didn't really gain the right to vote until the 15th Amendment in the mid to mid 1800s. Um, not even then. Not even then. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and if they did, they would have to take this really confusing test and yeah. all literacy test, grandfather yes. clause. Exactly. Like, yeah. In mass intimidation. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then women. It was exactly a hundred years ago that women were granted the right to vote, and I just I look back on. I look back on, you know, all of our ancestors in general, right? And how they really fought hard so that we would be able to vote. And I would feel like I would be doing a disservice if I weren't, you know, being politically conscious, if I weren't voting. Um, 
I don't mean to sound preachy y'all, but (laughs) no, it's just, but that's, I guess that's how I feel about the whole thing. So, you know, I just to add on to your points, I guess there's, there's that as well, at least for me. But yeah. um, And and I guess a lot of the disillusionment with voting, especially like, you know, in New York, it's a a Democrat state. Mm -hmm. So it kind of feels like, oh, you know, my vote doesn't really matter because it's going to be go Democrat anyway. But I think, I, I mean, if anything, it is, um, even just the symbolism itself, like Hannah said, is so important. Like people, you know, really fought for this right for us to have. And it's not something that everyone around the world has, has the privilege to do. Um, Mm -hmm. and even like, but, and I think also, yeah, like what Dora said about, um, it's not only about federal, and I think I was thinking about federal because of, we were talking about presidential candidates, but like yeah. local on the local and state level, yes, like absolutely. there are a lot of Democrats and, but they all have different policies. So you can really differentiate your vote on that if yeah. you want to think about it that way. And it's important yeah. to also, <laughs> it's important to also be an advocate to people that can't vote at all. Like mm-hmm. undocumented immigrants, they don't, they can't vote. They can't really have, in a way, they're mm-hmm. kind of silenced. And yeah. I think it's important to to be politically conscious about those that are suffering that may not be able to advocate for themselves. It's important to be ally- allies for those people as well. So mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, people tend to forget that, you know, the policies that are put out there, they do tend to affect people that can't vote. So I think if we can vote, why not advocate for those people that can't? Mm. Um, yeah, but... Thank you so much, Isabel. Thank you, Dora. Thank you so much for coming. This was awesome. Thank you for having us. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having us. And yeah. Ha- letting us sip the tea. Uh, anytime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Tea for Three, where we sip the tea and spill the deets. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all.